0: Welcome to State Road 49, an audio program that shares extraordinary stories from everyday people. I'm your host, Aaron Freimberger, and I'd like to thank you for coming back. Today's story comes from Don Bieneman, who grew up in Rockford, Illinois. Recently, he sat down with us to tell us about his youth and the people and events that changed his life. Here we go. I was probably about 12 or 13 uh, when I, my parents allowed me to drink at home and uh, beer. And uh, I would have my friends over and uh, just have a, a little beer party. And my dad sometimes would say, hey Don, come, come up to the bar here, have a beer with me. And I was 12 or 13 years old. You know, that's the family that I was from and uh, it was kind of common for me. So I didn't, I, at that age, I didn't think it was, real weird. Uh, my grandfather owned a bar, so they were all drinkers and uh, so my father basically was an alcoholic, but he was a working alcoholic. He never missed work. I would just be at home on the weekends and my dad would set me up. We had a little bar at the, in the kitchen uh, by the window and he would say, hey Don, come sit up here and have a beer with me. And uh, I would have a have a beer, you know, just at a young age. It was no big deal to me and uh, he just allowed it and everything. and uh, So that's just Pretty much how it was, because I was allowed to do that. It, it's, it it ended up developing into a little bit of a drinking problem for me. You know, I always tell people I wasn't an alcoholic; I was a drunk because I was too young to go to meetings. <laughs> but I drank a lot, uh, and I would be out with my friends and uh, and uh, on the weekends and stuff, and and I drank and. I got arrested six times. Four of those six times were alcohol-related before I was 16 years old. One time I mentioned I I stole uh, cases of beer out of the cubs tavern in rockford and I got caught at the jail for that. Uh, I got caught twice drinking as a minor, going down the street, getting pulled over. One time I was sitting out in the middle of a road with my buddies and we were all drinking and smoking grass and stuff and I got busted sitting in the middle of a country road. Stupid stuff, right? <laughs> and uh, so that's the kind of stuff that that I was it was most of it was alcohol-related, but sometimes I got arrested a couple times just for disorderly conduct. My dad would come and get me out of the juvenile center, because I was juvenile, and uh, he would take me down to the Ten Stupid Tavern in Rockford, Illinois, where he tended bar, and uh, he would take me down, set me up at the bar, buy me a Coke and brag, say, "I ah, it's got my boy out of jail. He was so proud of it, and so I didn't think anything was wrong with it, And but I would get arrested for drinking as a minor, one time was stealing cases of beer out of a tavern and got caught stealing liquor. <laughs> so that's the kind of life that I ended up living because of the young age that I started drinking. I probably knew it back then just because of the friends that I talked to and you know my other buddies and stuff because they didn't get to do that. And uh, but they used to love coming over to my house because they were allowed to you know have a little party over there and stuff. So but yeah, I knew it wasn't the normal thing because my friends were not allowed. At that, at that time, probably didn't think of it either way, you know. I just, it wasn't a subject because my parents allowed it and hey, if they allowed it, it would probably okay. But when I started getting arrested and my wife started having issues with it, of course, and I knew this isn't normal. I got married at 16 years old. Okay. And we didn't have to get married, we just got married. I started dating my wife. We've been married now for 48 years. But I started dating her when I was like 15. We dated for about a year. And as I met my wife and started going with her, I knew I had a drinking problem. I knew because I was putting that in front of her. I would go off with the guys on the weekend, and then I would get arrested for different things. So I knew I was getting out of control a little bit, but nobody really seemed to care, so I didn't stop. When we started going out, I really liked her, (laughs) and I wanted to spend time with her, but as time went on, I would go out with my buddies, and I'd go and do stuff I shouldn't do, and it started affecting our relationship a little. We worked at Steak and Shake, in Rockford, Illinois. I was on the curb uh, taking food to the cars. people that ate in the cars. My wife was a waitress on the inside. And so we worked together for probably about a year. Uh, I started there very young. Back in those days, you didn't have to be 16. I started at like 14 and a half, 15 years old. And uh, so we met there and then we started dating. Her mother knew a little bit about my history and stuff. I came over there one time drunk, knocked on the door, and. Uh, And she knew I was drunk, and she always told my wife, you better get rid of that boy. Once a drunk, always a drunk. And that was her famous saying, and she still reminds me of it today, because we tease about it now. My wife, Connie, kind of went my way, because she loved me, and she always told people, I'm going to marry that boy someday. That was her famous saying. Probably the first couple years of our marriage, that we were probably heading down the divorce road after a couple years because of my lifestyle okay because i was running around doing that kind of stuff so it put a lot of pressure on the marriage early on i mean we never separated we never filed for divorce but our relationship was really stressed because of it do you think if you kept drinking you'd be divorced today absolutely i would have been divorced probably three years into my marriage if i would not have changed I worked a full-time job at a toy company in Rockford during the daytime, and uh, we needed more finances. My wife was working, and uh, so I went to work uh, to deliver pizzas at Ron Santos Pizzeria in Rockford, and uh, Vito was the manager of that. The reason I knew about this place, this Ron Sanos Pizzeria, is because one of the owners actually worked at an toy company that I worked at and told me hey, we could use somebody to deliver a pizza. If you want a part-time job, go over to Ron Sandals, and uh, I own it. I'm one of the three owners, so that's how I found out about it. So they hired me, and I started delivering pizzas, and Vito was the manager that was there every night. For probably about three months, he began telling me about how my life could change because he knew my marriage was in trouble. He knew I smoked two packs of cigarettes a day. I was blowing smoke in his face on purpose when he witnessed to me, just to get even with him. And uh, he knew that I had a drinking problem. And so he talked to me about the Lord for three months. And I laughed at him, I mocked him, I blew smoke in his face. And finally, one Friday night, I'll never forget it, it was a Friday night, he said, Don, we're a little slow tonight, sit down. I've told you about the love of God for three months now. I told you how your life could be changed. I told you how your marriage could be healed and and all these problems could go away, and you've laughed at me, and you've mocked me. He said, tonight, I'm gonna tell you about hell. I want you to understand what hell's like, because if you don't accept Christ in your life, that's where you will spend eternity. And I sat and listened to that for about an hour. It was getting late, and we usually closed up about 10 or 11 o'clock at night. And so I left the pizzeria. And on the way home, because I was so ignorant on all this stuff, I was never raised in church and knew nothing about this kind of stuff, I thought, oh my, I'm gonna get hit by a car and killed before I can get home and get on my knees and ask Jesus into my life. Somebody had given me, and I don't remember who it was, but somebody had given me a four spiritual laws track, and the prayer of salvation is always in those, and I had that in my wallet. And I got home, and the Lord spared me, I got home, I got on my knees, I asked the Lord into my life, I read that prayer, but I meant it with all my heart, and my life was changed, and I never since. To this day have walked away from that. And so I accepted Christ into my life and things started to change. I knew my wife went to church. I knew that her family were Christians. I didn't know exactly what that meant, but uh, I didn't get involved with that. I never went to church one time as I was growing up. Uh, never remember being in church, so I didn't know any of this, but I knew that my life was in trouble. I knew that I was heading down that wrong path. At first, I, I think I was offended because, you know, he was doing it right, but he was talking about my lifestyle and stuff. So did that offend you? I think at the first part of it, probably, maybe it did, but then it started making sense, and I knew that it was good stuff. For me, it's when I started hearing about salvation in Christ, then I wanted that more than the liquor. Vito was very polite and very nice and, you know, him and I had a pretty decent relationship from that standpoint. But then I think I was the kind of guy that had to be scared into it, <laughs> you know. I couldn't, I couldn't just accept Christ in my life because of all the good things that he was telling me could happen. When he started talking about, you know, gonna be in hell for eternity and stuff, I think it just woke me up and it got my attention. I just feel like I had a big burden removed from me because I felt very secure, I felt very good. You know, Vito had talked to me, like I said, for three months and, uh, and so it was starting to sink in a little bit. And I just felt kind of relaxed and I, and I went and told my wife, you know, she was in the other room and I told her that uh, I just asked Jesus into my life and she just started crying. She was very happy and from that moment on, our life started to change. We've talked a little bit about it, but who knows what my life would be like today if it would have kept going, okay? Uh, But as I saw, my, I got involved immediately in a church in Rockford, First Assembly of God Church, because that's the church that Vito went to. I started getting in some good marriage classes at that young age, people started teaching us. And one of the things that Vito told me right when I gave my life to the Lord is, Don, every time those doors are open at church, you need to be there. And so Connie and I just made it a habit that every Sunday we would be in church. And probably about a year after I gave my life to the Lord, I, you know, I'm getting off the, the, the liquor and quit smoking, or in church, and our marriage is getting stronger. At that point, I started getting involved in ministry because I wanted to go out and reach the same kind of people that I was. And so I got involved and started up, actually, from scratch, a street ministry in Rockford. And every Friday and Saturday night, and I did this for almost 10 years, <laughs> I would go down to a mission on the west side of Rockford, the toughest, and they opened their doors to us, and I would have a group of people from First Assembly that would come, and we'd go out witnessing the people and sharing our faith with people on the street and giving them gospel tracks. And we saw so many people get saved and give their lives to Christ that we ended up, through First Assembly of God in Rockford, starting a Teen Challenge home so we could get the people off the street and get them developed you know, and, and, and uh, get their lives changed. At one point, uh, as as I got into it a little bit, uh, we would actually go into bars. My father was a bartender and he would allow us to come in and we would go into the bars and pass out tracks and talk to people right at the bar. What did your dad think about all this? Well, he didn't know what to think of it, to be honest with you. I mean, they were respectful and stuff, uh, and, uh, but he didn't really know what to think about it, but I do want to say and have this in here that before they passed away, I was so privileged to lead both my mom and my dad to the Lord Jesus, and they both got saved before they died. But at the beginning, they thought, oh, Connie's influencing them, and you know, and, and they, he didn't know what to think, because he wasn't raised in any of that either. Did you get any blowback from him? A little bit, I mean, I remember him uh, at one point saying, I can't believe how henpecked you got. You won't even have a beer with me anymore. And and I, and I would have to tell them, it's because I've got something new in my life, Dad. I don't do that anymore. First of all, uh, they uh, and I was never into drugs. I mean, I smoked a little weed, but uh, the, a lot of these guys were into drugs and stuff, and they needed a, a place where they can get off that kind of stuff, but I just, because of their lifestyle, I saw myself there because that's how I did. I ran around with my, my buddies, and we drank, and. You know, did stupid stuff like stealing beer out of taverns and getting busted and, and stuff. So I saw myself, that's why I wanted to reach out to people like that, because that's kind of where I came from. And so I, I could relate to them. And when I would tell them my story, uh, it would relate, and then they would listen, and we had a lot of people get saved. I started to work with Teen Challenge, and some lady at our church actually donated a house on the west side of Rockford to the church. And so we had a house given to us, and that's the home that we turned into our Teen Challenge program. And so that's where we had the guys stay. They would go it would be a several month program that they would commit to and uh, they would be a part of it. They didn't have to stay, they could leave anytime they wanted to, but when they were there they had to follow the rules and we had discipleship and you know, help them get off their drugs and stuff and we had other people come in. So it was a regular Teen Challenge program uh, that we, we got to the use their name because we signed up and I don't remember all the details, but we were able to use the Teen Challenge name. Teen Challenge is a rehabilitation program. It was just a place where they take people that had life-addicting problems, it didn't have to be drugs, it could be alcohol, drugs, whatever, and they would put them into this, this program for a period of time so that they could get set free and grow spiritually, and then they would be released back out into the world to touch other people's lives. I think probably any of those kind of programs, but especially like a Teen Challenge, would would just help them because you take individuals that are out doing stuff that's not good for the community Even today now, because of my background, I go to Westville Prison on Wednesday nights uh, a couple times a month, and I love working with the inmates and reaching out to those people. So that's kind of been my life, going back to where I used to be, uh, being arrested six times as as a young kid. Thank God I didn't end up in prison because I was so young, but I love reaching out to people in those areas. So that's what my whole life has pretty much been about. I think the best part for me is that when you get to see them actually get out of prison, we've had a couple of them come to church and and, and get involved and stuff, but when you see, even when they're in prison and, and you go there, you know, week after week and you see them they're life changing and they're talking about spiritual things and what they're gonna do when they get out, you can tell that there's been a real transformation in their life. And that's what it's all about as far as I'm concerned. When you see other people's lives change because of your testimony and because of what you're saying, it's all the Lord, but I mean because the Lord's using you to share that story. Vito Grazetta has passed away. Okay. He, he passed away probably five or six years ago now uh, but did you keep in touch with him I did for up until he passed away uh, but Vito was a very big Italian and uh, he kind of just drew respect just when you looked at him because you didn't want to get him upset with you but he he never showed that side of it but I'm just saying but uh yeah just a just a great man uh, and he was not ashamed to share his faith and what Christ has done in his life, and he was very good at communicating what the Lord could do in somebody's life like mine. You know, putting my marriage together and helping me get off the uh, the alcohol and Getting rid of the cigarettes and, more importantly, getting involved with the church and and using my story to touch other people's lives. He talked about that all the time. So he was just a great guy. And uh, we finally moved out of Rockford, went to New York, and then we came to Indiana. And uh, so I didn't get to see him much, but I would talk to him on the phone periodically and stuff after I left. He saw, you know, even in Rockford, I was there for probably 10 years after that whole thing because we didn't move to New York until, like, early 80s. And I think he was excited. He was, but I'm not the only person he ever led to the Lord. I mean, he was just a, a good witness for Christ and uh, many people. But yes, he saw the change in our life. And he was very, he was my spiritual dad. That's what I called him all the time, my spiritual father. Generations now, three generations have been changed because he was bold enough to witness to me and he didn't give up on me. Even when I blew smoke in his face and laughed at him and mocked him, he hung in there and he never gave up on me. And because of that, not only is my son now, you know, in ministry and loving the Lord, but my grandson is in Rockford right now, going to Bible college there. And uh, so there's three generations now that have been changed because of Vito Grisetta. Thank you, Vito. Once again, that was Don Biedemann, who we'd like to thank for sharing his story. And we'd like to thank you for listening. I'm Aaron Freinberger, and this is State Road 49. produced by Aaron Freinberger, Matt Willingham, and Garrett Schultz. It is executive produced by the Heartland Christian Center. Visit their website at hcc3d.com. That is hcc3d.com. This episode was recorded, edited, and mixed by Garrett Schultz. Music by Thomas Killebos. For more information about the program, visit us at facebook.com slash stateroad49. This program was produced in Valparaiso, Indiana.